Welcome to the PGF Canada podcast and our series on the value of a golf professional. We are back. Uh, welcome back. Uh, I'm Brian, joined with another Brian and Rodney from Strong Coffee Marketing in Edmonton. And we are going through a series of podcasts, short podcasts, talking about value and price and the value of a golf professional. And so the last couple episodes, we've touched on developing customer personas. So really getting to know who your customers are, what makes them tick, what motivates them, what problems do they have, you know, where do they live, stuff like that. And as you're able to develop these personas, you're able to learn a little bit more about your about your customers, whether they're coming in for a lesson or they're playing your golf course or they're buying something off of you like equipment, whatever the case may be. And the more you know about them, the easier it is to market to them. So exactly. We thought we would hop in and do a bit of a golf analogy with these. And we kind of went through and looked at, you know, from somebody that worked in a golf course, these are some of the personas that I came across most frequently. Um, and uh, although all of them are contacting a golf course or a golf professional for usually golf-related things, as you'll see as we go through them, they're all a little bit different in what they're looking for and how they need to be marketed to and, and the type of things that they might be after. So I guess one of the most common ones for a lot of golf courses would be the daily green fee player. These are the people that um, they're probably going to play a number of different golf courses. They might make yours one of their stops. They might play once or twice or three times a year. Um, what makes them tick? Well, oftentimes they're the kind of players that maybe are looking strictly for value in terms of price. You know, whether it be through a coupon book or a, um, a booking website, whatever the case may be, they just want to go somewhere where the course is good and maybe the fees are a little bit less expensive. Um, they tend to have routines, like they'll play with the same group of people over and over again. And I know from my experience at courses, these are the, the groups that you might see. They play uh, every Saturday at 10 a.m. at a different golf course. You might have seen them four times throughout the year. They play at 10 a.m. on Saturdays. Um, maybe they make one yearly destination trip where they go down to, uh, to the state somewhere or they go to some sort of local resort and they play a few rounds. Um, they often travel in packs, so you might get the same four or eight people going from place to place. And kind of their question, their problem, their reason for being is, why should I play your course instead of the one down the street? So that's kind of their, what makes them tick. So what can you offer them to have them come to your place over somewhere else? So when we look at the value of a golf professional, what is it that your club offers for the price that it might entice them to come and check you out. So could that value be in the form of the little extras like we have valet bag service or you know um, free driving range balls when you come to the golf course or whatever the case may be. Could it be that your course is known as having some of the most pristine conditions in all the area. So there's all these opportunities that you can wrap into the value side of things to make your destination a valuable one. And I know... And I think just uh, looking at the persona of the daily green fee player, you would do great if you make your information about your golf course available on your website yeah. and easy to find because they search for deals and use booking engines to find those. It means that they spend a bit of time on the internet or wherever they get... Um, their information to determine the next destination. Yep. So if you don't have that information readily available, guess what? 
you know, why am I going to come to your place when I have to hunt down information? Yeah, right? and sometimes you know, depending on whatever time they have, the easiest one to find information on is mm-hmm. where I'm going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if they are somebody that might play your course a few times a year, you want to ensure that your product or service, the value you offer, is um, is good because you might see them four times a year, right? They're yeah. probably not going to come back if the the offering wasn't all that strong. So I know a lot of folks that actually fall into this this demographic or this persona, so to speak. And I think one of the things that I hear from them uh, is, you know, why are courses more, or even uh, professionals more uh, engaging or more active on social? Mm-hmm. They actually mm-hmm. want to follow a number of courses and then see what's actually happening there. Maybe not from a tournament perspective, but maybe something's uh, been added to amenities or. Uh, They've got new carts or a picture of the conditions, which is a huge oh, yeah. thing. Like that's, that could be like gigantic. weekly, weekly or daily yeah, updates, yeah. right? Yeah. It's. I mean, we do work, a lot of work with ski hills, and one of the biggest things that ski hills can put on social media is this is what it looks like right now. That's seriously, it's so simple, yeah. but it totally makes sense. So, yeah, I think green fee players, whether it be them playing golf or them taking lessons, they might not be tied to a specific course. But over time as a professional, there are opportunities to lure these folks back and make them repeat customers or perhaps even getting into our next segment, maybe eventually they get so comfortable with a particular course, they go, you know what, I want to join this course or in the case of a professional, I want to become a regular customer of yours when it comes to lessons. I'm done with jumping around. I I kind of found a home here and that's where I want to be. So when we talk about the next kind of customer segmentation, if you will, the member they typically pay one course because they're paying memberships at a course, at a, at a cor- or paying membership dues at a course. Um, they often will use that course, not just the golf, but the course, the dinner, etc., as a way to network with um, business people, that kind of thing. You know, I might take a few of my best clients out to my private golf club. The value in my head is, you know, what I'm there. I'm bringing these people to a very prestigious place and it it shows well for me or my business, that kind of idea. From my experience, price is sometimes less of an issue because maybe businesses chip in on their memberships or, um, you know, businesses have bought the memberships or they bought them through a business or whatever the case may be. And they're okay with that idea of I'm paying a little bit more, but the prestigious value that I that I see. I can say that I am a member of this course and people are like, oh wow, that's yeah. that's a nice place. You know, it's a it's a nice place to be. They like routine oftentimes in the community that that a private course offers. So they like going to the course and seeing the same people. I know having worked at a semi-private course, we saw this a lot, they have the same place that they sit for breakfast. Like it's just very <laughs> It's like a community, right? Yeah. And it's it's almost like clockwork when they show up and then their friends show up and they play at the exact same time every day. They like that routine. Um, and, and, and They, they like basically know what they're getting and they're comfortable getting it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And this is where, as we touched on in an earlier episode, a golf professional by just making the rounds in the restaurant or making the rounds at the driving range can add a lot of value to that membership. You know, as somebody that's paying a lot of money to be a member at a club, but knowing that your golf professional is at your fingertips, is always around. You can just talk to that person, yeah. he or she. It's a big thing. 
It's like they're that uh, social glue yeah, that ties yeah. everyone together. 100%, 100%. And I mean, that's another thing. Like, if you can say you have regular conversations with um, with your golf pro, and that's just that one extra thing you can tell your friends and maybe brag a little you bit. You can totally about brag about that. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, when we talk about value, they like that idea of being at an exclusive place where not everybody can come and they're willing to pay a little bit more. So a big value for them is I'm part of that cool place. And yeah. the first episode when Roddy and I were talking about value, we talked about being seen at the trendy coffee shop as opposed to picking up your coffee at the local convenience store, store when maybe the coffee is pretty close to the same, <laughs> but you want to be seen as the person with the Starbucks cup or sitting in the trendy restaurant as opposed to the person grabbing it at the convenience store, right? Yeah. And so their reason for being, their question, their kind of mm, statement, I guess, would be, what do I get for my money? What do you offer that other people don't? So I'm okay with paying this money, but I want to see the value. I want to see what am I getting for all this? I, if I'm going to put out this money, I want my clubs cleaned every time before I show up. Or, yeah. you know, I want good range balls as opposed to not so good range balls. All those little things kind of tie into that. So that's somebody that you have to think about when you think about personas at the, at the as a golf professional. If you're at a club where there's a lot of members, they're okay with paying that money, but they expect certain things and anything beyond that adding value is only gonna increase the chances of them coming back. Exactly. So then we get into some different ones where maybe Golf isn't necessarily their focus, or maybe they don't know a lot about golf. One that I like to talk about is the tournament organizer. So this might be a person that is assigned at a company or is a, a member of an association, and their job is to organize the company golf tournament. Yeah. Just because they're organizing the company golf tournament doesn't really mean that they're a golfer. They might just be the person at the office that's really good at organizing things or that's part of their job, whether there's some sort of an assistant or whatever the case may be, that's their job. So what are they looking for? They're looking for products, prices, and packages because at the end of the day, they just want to be able to book a good golf tournament where their boss is like, hey, great job. Their employees are happy. And they want their lives to be easy because they have a million other things on the go outside of organizing this golf tournament. Yeah. So as a golf professional, when you are approached to, by tournament organizers and you start to learn a little bit about them, they probably just kind of want to know like, okay, fine, fine, fine. I appreciate everything you're talking about. How much is it going to cost? And what am I going to get? What am I getting? Right? Yeah. So, and that's a very different conversation to have. So do you have something on a website or something that you can print off and just go here, $45 a head, you get this, you get a meal, you have a little bit in tournament prizes. $60 a meal, there's a little bit more value there. Maybe our pro will come out and walk around the driving range while your tournament is getting ready and offer suggestions to people. There's a great little value add that you can charge more for. Yeah. So. The tournament organizer is, you know, they might have some budget considerations, but they're, they want to talk packages. That's what they want to talk. And I know from doing tourism marketing that that pa- idea of package is is what oftentimes tourists are looking for. They just want to be like, okay, I want to go and visit this place. I just want to know what it's going to cost and what am I going to get. Yeah. That's like, and then the headache is gone. That's right? what really entices people because 
guaranteed they're going to make comparisons. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you have that information readily available, easy to find without any surprises or whatever, they won't appreciate. Yeah. They're more likely going to go with you if you know everything is in check and you've got good prices and packages. Yeah. And you can show that value. Yeah. Like, you know what? Maybe instead of $45 ahead, this course is saying $55 ahead. But they throw in a couple little extras, like everybody gets a water bottle in their cart or everybody gets a souvenir towel. I think that's a great value. From the golf course perspective, that towel might cost you three bucks, but I can charge an additional 10. I'm offering more value and I'm making more money at the same time. So their ultimate kind of question or idea is, what can you offer? What does it cost? That's what I want to know, right? Then we move into the event planner. These people, from my experience, oftentimes have no, or they don't care about the golf side of things. They want to book a wedding at the clubhouse, right? They want to do it at a place like a golf course that's very scenic. They can go take pictures on the golf course. And um, so what are they looking for? All of a sudden, maybe the golf aspect doesn't really mean much to them. The fact that we have 18 prestigious holes of golf that were uh, designed by Sid Puttycomb or whoever it might be, they're like, I don't care. It might make for a scenic backdrop. Yeah, but realistically, (laughs) I'm not playing your golf course. I don't really care. So what are they looking for? They want information on venues, wedding packages, event space, catering information. That conversation, again, just like the tournament organizer, very different. So how does a golf professional approach this? Again, let's have packages and let's have, here's, you know, a wedding we hosted last last year. Here are pictures of what it looked like. Here are some things we learned. Here are some things to consider. Here's how many people could sit in our clubhouse, whatever the case may be. That's what they're after. Yeah. So again, they're contacting a, a golf professional or a golf course, but their motivations are very, very, very different. And you need to be able to identify with that. And when we talk about customer personas, you might start diving deep into this and go, okay, generally when I talk to event planners and I meet them, they are females between 25 and 40. Their experience with actual golf courses is fairly limited because they're used to talking to hotels or convention centers. But I can still use some of that same lingo to present my club as a viable option for their wedding or their meeting or whatever the case may be, right? Yeah. What are their big ideas or their questions? What type of capacity do you have? What services do you offer? What kind of meals are available? That's what they're after. And they'll probably just look at other specifics like the floor space of where the event is going to be hosted. And if you have any limits to photos being taken, for example, like if they really want photos on the green, is it allowed? Is it not allowed? You know? Yeah. And of all the, you know, all the types of uh, personas that we've gone through in this, uh, this one might be the most sensitive as they have the most alternatives to go to, right? Yeah. If, you, mm. if, yeah. if although all these deserve attention, this one might be the most time sensitive. Yeah. This might also, in some cases, be the most difficult to um, relate to for a golf professional because the golf side of things is basically taken out of the equation. In this case, you're basically becoming, or they're viewing you as like a facility director almost. Like, yeah. like I don't really care about correcting a slice or learning about golf clubs. I just want to host an event here. So 
that conversation and the approach you take has to be very different as a professor. Just to reiterate what the other Brian was saying, that it's very time sensitive. So you don't have the luxury of saying, I'll get back to you next week. Yeah. Um, yeah. You probably have to have that information pretty close by. Because there's um, a Best Western down the street that could, that this is their job. And they could go, <laughs> you know what? Here's how much it's going to cost. We could sign you up right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, exactly. that's, that's the reality of it. And then without diving deep, so many other audience groups you need to consider and customer personas. The idea of uh, new golfers or families, you know, the idea yeah. of they're looking for very different things. A new golfer, what they're looking for and what they value, you know, they just want to go and have fun without holding anybody up, you know, and, and causing a scene at a golf course. And they're probably pretty nervous in playing. Yeah. So that approach is very different. And you might find over time that you find, you know what, I'm seeing a real influx of new golfers that are maybe new Canadians, people that are new to Canada, perhaps. Yeah. Okay, well, my marketing message and my packaging and promotions has to be very, very different. Yeah. Um, maybe it's a, uh, a community organization where somebody wants to come out or a school group and wants to come out and bring a bunch of, a bunch of kids or whatever um, out to learn how to golf at the driving range. Again, a different conversation that has to be had and a different approach. That's a different consumer as well, customer as well. Um, the destination golfer, I've worked at a destination golf course, a resort golf course. Um, we kind of called them, a lot of them were one and dones because this was their big trip of the lifetime. They came mm. and played our golf course. They're probably never coming back. Um, we would like them to come back, but logistically, maybe they just won't because they came from the other side of the world, right? All right. So yeah. their experience, we have one shot to be really good. And if you're not really good that one time, they're going to tell their friends back home and that's not good. So, you know, I don't need to focus on reselling and having them come back time and time again because they're probably never going to. I need to make sure they have the best possible time right now. They're probably more willing to spend a little bit more money. Oh, so that's where you can actually like upsell yeah. because letting them know what what's on offer pretty yeah. much and then yeah. they're willing to spend. Yeah. You think about when you've yeah. taken a vacation somewhere you're probably a little bit more willing to spend some money because you just know I'm probably never coming back. I just want to give this a go and give it a try. Oh, yeah. So again, that audience group, how you deal with them and their perception of value is very different as well. So lots of different things to, to consider when we talk about those personas inside of golf. But again, the more you learn about the customer, the more you're able to break them down like this. And I think the more success you'll have when it comes to sales. Yeah. So in the, uh, in the next episode, we'll kind of continue our, our discussion with personas, but we're going to then look at starting to match our products and our services and our messaging, kind of matching those two customers. And we're also going to touch on um, learning and the importance of, of selling a solution to a problem. So that's kind of where we'll go next. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good.